back to Not Your Average Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Quiggle. Today, I have the opportunity to interview two of the most amazing people ever. Their names are Jessa and Drew Swearingen. I met them this past year working at the Post Youth Center in Goshen, Indiana. So without further ado, I'll let them introduce themselves. Jessa, would you like to go first? Oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, that's some very high praise. Um, Dylan is also a very amazing person. We were very lucky and blessed to meet him. And we really both agree on that pretty heartily. We've talked about it. Pretty cool. um, yeah, my name's Jessa and Drew is my husband. So that's why we're being interviewed as a duo. Um, and we have lived in Goshen now for a little while. We lived in Elkhart for a couple of years. Um, and I've lived all over Indiana. We both met at Purdue, moved up here. Um, Drew is, he'll probably introduce as an engineer, so his job kind of moved us up here to Goshen, and then I found the Post Youth Center over the summer, um, and Dylan trained me in all that he knows, all of his teenage <laughs> children, um, and yeah, and here I am now, just living it up. Here you are now. Here I am now. <laughs> I'm, I'm Drew. I'm also married to Jessa. I would hope so. Like you married to me, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm I'm a engineer. We, I mean, you covered most of it. I'm an engineer in Goshen, and I make uh, actuators for HVAC systems. So, if you know what that is, you're on another level of of uh, understanding and enlightenment. Because if not, go look it up. <laughs> I will too. Yep. <laughs> you know how like it's like an on off switch. Your vents open and close. Mm-hmm. Like in big buildings, vents open and close to let heat in or not let heat in. It makes stuff that does that. Sick. So yeah. if you want to go be an engineer in HVAC, I can get you a job. <laughs> um, cool. So um, you guys are my first people ever to interview for the podcast, so that's exciting. So bear with me as I ask questions that are probably super sporadic and all over the place. Yes, <laughs> on a podcast. So, yeah, yeah. So cool. we're in the same boat. We'll just do cool. it together. Dylan. Heck my yeah! Life, my life is sporadic and all over the place, so well, <laughs> it's par for the course. It's really hard. Yeah, that that we know. Um, so you guys kind of already answered some of my first questions on like where you're from and where have you. Well, you said you lived a lot of places. Where all have you lived? Uh, I'll let Drew go first because his list is a lot shorter. Drew? Uh, Greenwood, Indiana. And then I lived in Lafayette, well, Indiana, while I was at College at Purdue. Mm -hmm. I do my internships too, probably. Oh, yeah, because you did live overseas yeah. for a while. So I did one internship in uh, Kenya, Turkana, Kenya, which is kind of the northwest corner of Kenya. It's like bushland, like, I think like Australia, but in Africa. <laughs> Um, and we were, we were digging wells out there. And then I did an internship on Guam, uh, which is a U.S. territory. It's kind of between Hawaii and Japan. Um, and we, I worked for a radio station out there for a summer. So Awesome. And my list is um, quite long. So anybody listening over in um, Laporte, Valpo, Hobart, Michigan City, um, if you've lived in Indianapolis in a couple of different places, it's north and south side. If you have lived in Illinois, <laughs> you will have probably seen me. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, but I've lived in, I started off in Illinois, was born there, lived there for three years, and then moved up to Valparaiso. 
um, from there. I went to Hobart, LaPorte, Michigan City. Um, my parents lived in two different places. They were divorced. So I lived in Indianapolis um, and in Michigan City at a time, graduated out of Michigan City, lived in Lafayette, did a summer mission where I lived in Virginia, um, and then moved up here. So I lived pretty much all over northern Indiana. Um, know a lot about everything you know lived in both time zones now so Heck Chicago yeah. and you know the other time whatever. which one my friends and I have this debate all the time I say eastern time zone is the only real time zone and is superior to central yeah it is I think Chicago ruins a lot of our time zone I'm so sorry if you're from Chicago Chicago ruins a lot of our time zones and traffic yeah I agree and I I mean my Missouri's in Central, and I can't stand it. I'd rather be on Eastern Time Zone. I feel like it makes more sense for you to be on Eastern Time in Missouri. One hundred percent. So, um, how did you guys meet? So, our mutual friend actually introduced us. So, my um, one of my closest friends, who lives up here too, so that's exciting. So, we get to see each other a lot. Um, introduced us in college. It was our yeah. my sophomore year, Drew's junior year. He was a year ahead. Um, it was your freshman year. Oh, I'm sorry. It was my, my freshman year. year. Yes, it was the yeah. end of freshman year. It all starts to get muddy after a while. The end of freshman year for me then. Yeah. We got introduced well, and we weren't it wasn't dating the end. officially. We started dating at the end. But we, we got introduced at a Christmas party. Yes, we started dating before, but we weren't officially dating. There weren't any strings attached to, okay, if you come back from Africa and decide you don't want to date me, that's cool. Because Drew went to Africa that summer. Oh. So we didn't yeah. want to like super overcommit to, we're going to be in this relationship if he went to Africa and came back, you know, with, with an African girlfriend. Shock and a lot of, um, you know, changed mind on things, and and you did have some culture shock, but we wanted to be sure that you were going to be okay coming That's out of that. That's some wild culture. Yeah, um, but well, and it was like okay, so we're gonna. He, he also almost died in Africa, but besides the fact, I, I probably would have been fine. Um, because <laughs> um, the the whole thing was like we dated for a month, and it was like okay, I'm gonna go to Africa for three months, mm-hmm. and then when I get back, I'll have spent most of our relationship in, in Africa. Africa. So, you know, if With things change, little to no contact, I think things change, but I came back texted. and we just picked, you know, mm-hmm. back up and yeah. finished out school. Our dorms were right next to one another. So, you know, it was, says it's convenient for us to date because we were yeah, just so it was just Doesn't that make you feel good that you were just convenient? Yeah, I'm convenient. I like that. Hey. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> how long have you guys been together now? We got married in June of 2018. Okay. So it's been, Almost your mom and I were talking about this years. the other day. It's been two and a half years that we've been married. Yes. yes. But your mom and I were talking about it the other day because she said something along the lines of it doesn't feel like you've ever not been here. And I was like, well, yeah. how long? And it's Aww. been six years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's been quite some time. And you guys haven't wanted to kill each other yet. That's good. No. Most days, though. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so. Drew was a year older, so you graduated in what 2017 from college? 2017. Jessa graduated in 2018. Yep. Do you feel old when I say I graduated high school in 2017? Yes. I do feel old. <laughs> Granted, I was supposed to graduate in 2018, so all right. You were ahead of the ahead of the game. I was ahead of the game. I was ready to get out. Um so Drew's an engineer, so I'm guessing your degree was in engineering. Was there a specific type of engineering that you majored in? Uh, mechanical engineering technology. Oh. Uh, 
So I was in the polytechnic school, not the engineering school at Purdue. Oh, so a fake engineer? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people think that. Yeah. I'm kidding. Someone asked me once, they're like, do you think you're a real engineer? Because there's, you know, there's rivalry between schools and whatnot. Heck yeah. Well, you know, all all that matters is my job title when I graduate. And Yes. So my job title is engineer. I mean, and how much you get paid. Yeah, exactly. And it's, guess what? It's the same amount. So, oh, you hear that engineer majors out there? He's getting paid just as much for doing less work. <laughs> I don't know about less work. Okay, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in engineering school. I couldn't make it. <laughs> Good joke. I barely passed, passed algebra too. Same. Um, and then Jessa, want to tell us what you you'll get your degree in? Yeah, so I actually changed degrees several times. I was blessed enough to get a full ride scholarship in Indiana. Um, really awesome program that somebody happened to sign a paper for. Um, was it the twenty first century scholars? Scholars, yep. And somebody signed up on a paper, and it was needs based. Yep. Um, and I, yeah, ended up with a scholarship. My high school counselor, bless her heart, went back and called you know eight of my previous schools to see if they had this thing on file for me. Um, And so, yeah, I went to Purdue and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was scared out of my mind, um, to say the least, because I hadn't done any of that. And my mom was in school, but she had gone back to school. So nobody really had done the traditional Mm -hmm. let's go to school thing. My aunt had, and she did a really good job of kind of stewarding some of that. Good. Like went to some stuff with me and was like, okay, you need to have this and this done, you know, and did a really good job of that. But I was terrified. So I went for communications initially. Um, I thought, oh, I'll work, you know, for HR. I thought I'll work HR. And then I got in there and I realized just how corporate HR felt. And not that that's <laughs> to be, but it did for me, it felt really corporate and it felt really kind of cut and dry. Um, and it felt like listening to a lot of like Jim's and Dwight's in the office talk about, um, you know, he put my stapler in jello again, me being like, you are an adult, don't put staplers in jello, you know. Um, so I, I eventually tapped out of that and went and spoke to a college counselor and changed my major to um, health and human sciences with a focus in human services. And so basically what that means, it's a lot of nonprofit work. Um, I could go into counseling or get some extra schooling and go into being a child advocate. And I could do the same stuff that you're going to do, but with the extra schooling, obviously I would yeah. need that put on. I just did the four-year degree. Um, yeah, and so that's how I ended up in nonprofit work, and I really enjoyed it. My particular degree ended up having an internship tacked onto the end of it. That was amazing. I worked, got to work for a food bank, um, local to Lafayette, so Food Finders Food Bank, if any of you are from over there. Um, excellent place. Loved working there. It was really, um, I know they say you're not supposed to say a passion for you, but really that's that's a passion for me, and I think I would I would work there all over again, training volunteers and that's awesome. people who want to help other people. It's great. Yeah, so... Drew told us what he does now. What do you do now? So now I work at the Post Youth Center in Goshen. Woohoo! Um, so, yeah. So, shameless yeah. plug. Shameless plug for the Post Youth Center in Goshen. If you are between the ages of sixth grade to twelfth grade, come hang out. Yeah, and that's been a great experience too. Um, I never really felt like I was very good with kids, especially not teenagers, and that's something that terrifies me the most about potentially having children someday. Is teenagers? Um, because I've just. I've had siblings and stuff, I and I've been a teenager, and I kind of remember being a teenager and being like, I thought the world was over at the littlest of things, and I had to mature a little bit faster than my friends, but still, even then, I was crazy and stupid, so yeah, 
that's been a time, but it's been a really good, really sweet time. Because when you've got awesome. kids that are really good to you too, then you're like, okay, all right, this kid knows what's going on in life. That's cool. What about the teens that aren't really good to you? You know, they need a lot of, it's funny, but like, it's not at the same time. Cause oh, I know. Teens, yeah. A lot of those teens, like, you know, are coming to the post because it's an escape. And a lot of them are coming from really hard home situations. And I would have been probably right along with them coming to the post, hanging out, trying to avoid being at home sometimes. Um, and so it just, yeah, it's really interesting to see them come in. It's good to get to talk with them. There mm. are several students now that I've had the pleasure of speaking with about the stuff that's going on in their lives that they were able to open up about, which has been so awesome. Um, you know, drawing fine boundaries also, (laughs) like what is appropriate to talk with a student about, but, um, yeah, I'm getting to the point where they trust me enough to ask me questions and ask me deeper questions. Good. Nice. So I had somebody ask me about life or something the other day, or I put up on the board, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I put something up on the board because I think I'm still growing up. Um, and so I had several students come over and tell me what they wanted to be when they grow up and told me their New Year's resolution and talked about that a little bit deeper and let me ask them questions. They actually had New Year's resolutions? They had New Year's resolutions. That makes me happy. For people, I mean, for everyone listening, I um, was working there over break and I challenged them to um, pick out and identify a New Year's resolution and actually work towards um, achieving that this year. So that's cool that they're actually following through with that. We must have uh, taken your words pretty seriously because the students in particular uh, keep them accountable now to their resolutions. I must say that night was a rough night and I yelled at a lot of them. So maybe I, you know, put the fear of God in them. (laughs) Was it the night I was there? Did you pull like a stand straight or something? Oh, no, that was, it was a I am second night. Oh, okay. Okay. It was different. Um, I gave it, it was like my, it was like my first I am second back and I gave out like six strikes it's a good good night (laughs) so a little bit more of a deeper question here um I know Jessa and I have kind of had this conversation I've never really gotten Drew's take on it um but Jessa you can still share so the audience can hear what you want think about this what do you say to those who choose experience over education are there benefits to both can you do social work and or nonprofit work or like health and human services work without having both education and experience or do you need both of them? So I, I, that's a really loaded question. So the first part is what do you wanna to say to those who choose experience over education? Do you wanna go first or do you want me to? Uh, I think in a, in a, broad, in a broad sense, um, I think both are, okay options like there there are people that decide like i want to be a mechanic or something and they just start working Mm -hmm. in a shop and that that works and you can make good money doing that or like plumbing and different things well yeah and those are things where you those are things where you learn on the job but like there there are you don't need an education necessarily for every career Mm -hmm. and i think there are a lot of careers where and when I say education, I mean like a formal four-year college degree. A lot yeah. of those have on-the-job training and classes still. But I think I think that we are um, pushed too much for college a little bit. And that kids feel like, oh, if I don't go to college, then I don't have any other options. And there are other options. And just because you can't afford to go to college doesn't mean you can't get a really good job that can pay really well. Absolutely. It's just yeah. a... a I don't think we make that path available and known to mm-hmm. students. Yeah. 
Yeah, but. even one of our family members um, was, um, and I won't put his name out in case he doesn't want out there, but um, he, I believe, had not gone to school and was a plumber, but he was studying under, like he had an apprenticeship, mm-hmm. and he ended up winning a big award for our state of like being one of the best or over the country. I believe. It was the country. Um, he was like one, one of the, like the best, top five plumbers. For the best. Wow. Um, Company. his position um apprentices apprentice of plumbers yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's a, a lucrative job field that's a great mm-hmm. job field where you're guaranteed a job basically because yeah. it's always we're always going to need toilets and i have lots of plumbing there. issues out there out here yeah, so i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> you need school in your house so yeah um and that's been great and then he decided he wanted to be a policeman and that's also something where they train you on the job and it is absolutely lucrative and you're doing things that make a difference in people's lives it's awesome and yeah i i would say i'm probably along the same vein as drew as far as that question goes i think there is something to be said for things that can be learned on the job and things that can't mm-hmm. there is a lot of background information um and i say this with the caveat of sorry the cat's playing with stuff on the other side of the room it's really loud <laughs> anytime That's we're right. doing something where it doesn't involve her she feels like she needs to get involved with some noise makes um, sense yeah she's like why are you yeah. i took care of it thank I- you <laughs> Anyway, so um, for instance, an, an engineering job, uh, the emotional background for the person doing the work doesn't exactly come into play a whole, all that often. I mean, I think Drew's very lucky to have a job where the people he works with do want to know about his life, which is great. Um, but you can go in and you can build actuators and put things together and not have to think twice about anything else. You can just focus in on that, which is mm-hmm. super nice. Um, but when you're going into a field like what we worked in, Dylan, where we're here at the post and you're working with students one-on-one, you have to know why you felt things that you felt too, mm-hmm. because you have to be able to answer appropriately and answer these children's questions and, you know, discipline them in a way that's not going to further hurt them or, you know, make yourself known to them while also know, letting them know that you know with you but it's just it's a little bit more ingrained and complicated and there is something to be said for if you're not going to formal school to seeking that out in yourself because I will say I think a lot of people a vast majority of people who go into nonprofit work go into it because they have a heart for it because they have some kind of experience yeah right so they've grown up in a really tough spot or their you know their story is usually at least from my knowledge, I'm not saying everybody, but their story is usually, I have a heart for this because something emotional tugged at me because mm-hmm. it is emotional work. It's hard yeah. work. Oh yeah. Even the nights that Drew's gone in and volunteered with us, he said, that's draining. You know, it is, oh, it's draining and it will sure. down and you are going to hear about things that you never wanted to hear about and, and realize that there is a lot of hurt in the world. And I think for me personally, uh, I was really lucky to get the experience in college of having people sit down and talk with me and going through my classes taught me, oh, this is why I felt this way about this stuff in high school. Or like I was saying earlier, I was a dumb, stupid kid and I thought I knew everything. And you know why? Because my brain was wired for that. <laughs> my brain was not developed all the way. And so it's really easy to then not rationalize bad things, but to make sense of the world a little bit better and to understand how complex we are as people. And I think there's something mm-hmm. to be said for that schooling. And I can only speak from the nonprofit side, but that's not to say also that somebody who grew up in the midst of all that stuff doesn't just have that knowledge and doesn't just have that coping ability. And so that's really, really great. So for me personally, I was really glad that I had school when anybody walking in my same shoes, I would hope that they would also have the opportunity to go to school. Um, But it's not completely impossible, but it's also good 
to continue wanting to learn even if you're not going to school, mm-hmm. especially in a nonprofit field. I mean, I would say from like the social work side of things, um, we definitely don't go into this field for the money. <laughs> like I'm going to go get my master's and I still will not be making as much as Drew who has a bachelor's in engineering. So um, we do it for you teens. <laughs> um, yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of more on like the social work nonprofit side, do you think people or like even you could have done it without the formal education? I mean, the job that I'm currently in, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, from an emotional standpoint, maybe, maybe, but definitely for state regulations and other things and laws and things that I need to have a better knowledge of, absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. uh, that, that is so important. Um, a lot of people don't even know that they're a mandated reporter. Once you turn 18 in the state of Indiana, if you see a child who's experiencing child abuse or neglect, you are mandated to report that to the state. If you don't, and it comes up later that you had not reported that, you could get in really big trouble. And Mm -hmm. it is really serious. And even Mm -hmm. just knowing something like that as a baseline is important, especially in any nonprofit field. It was important when I was working at a food bank. It's important when I'm working at a youth center. I mean, so... Okay. want to kind of explain exactly what your job is because we had different jobs at the youth yeah. um, posts so do you want to explain kind of what on the more nonprofit side of things you do yeah and it's still kind of a mix of things and we're still kind of developing a lot of it but my main thing that I did outside of just um, being with the kids and making sure that the night ran smooth and you know being on shift um, with students and making cooking sure casseroles all, yeah cooking casseroles and and <laughs> And, and killing killing old roaches that got into the building. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've done that one time. We're really not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, I got to um, take part in, we partnered with a local church um, and they started a program and it's known worldwide. So some people probably mm-hmm. have heard of it and overseas even. It's called Jobs for Life. And the student version of it is called Powered for Life. Um, and they're working on updating some of that curriculum. So if you do check it out, just know the curriculum is dated from 2010, I believe, and maybe yes. earlier. It's, in the it's pretty old right now. So, yeah, so the initial um, kind of read through the book was really funny because it's a lot of very dated stuff on how you should look even to go into the workplace. Oh, yeah. Um, but I had the pleasure of being in, um, oh man, I almost said attendee, uh, not an attendee. Um, where's my word? A, t- a teacher, basically. I got to be the teacher for yes. the students. I don't know what word I was looking for, but I got to teach this course. Um, and we had one student who stuck with it. And it was really, really awesome to get to do that and to bring on volunteers. And I, most of my friends have been suckered into some kind of volunteer thing <laughs> over the course of time. So um, do you yeah. want to explain kind of what Jobs for Life teaches them? What What's the point of it? Yeah, so the point um, of Jobs for Life, and we are a Christ-centered organization. So everything that they try to do at the post is centered around that. Um, and so not that the students were not forcing it down anybody's throat, not that they have mm-hmm. to believe it, but they have this understanding of this is the culture of the post, right? So yeah. when you come in here, we're going to pray over our food. We're going to sit down for a program and listen to someone's testimony. And then we're going to go play basketball and life is going to go on, you know? Um, and so they're under that impression. So this is a Christ centered study basically. And it kind of almost is like discipleship. So you bring on a volunteer to walk beside a student, um, through the whole course and it teaches, really awesome stuff. I had an opportunity to talk about it a couple of Saturdays ago um, at a local church. Um, And basically it's teaching students how to format a resume and 
find a job and do mock interviews and how to appear in the workplace and how to handle workplace disputes and is teaching them all these awesome skills that I did not learn until I went to college. Mm. Um, I guarantee you, I did not know how to write a check coming out of high school. Oh, heck yeah. My mom, because the school doesn't teach it, you know, your school doesn't teach it. Um, and now I mean, students aren't even leaving, learning cursive, but that's a whole nother thing. Like I'm cool with that. I'll teach my <laughs> cursive someday if I want them to learn it, it's going out of date, but anyway, <laughs> sorry, teachers. I'm a teacher's a teacher, I promise. I approve of all the things. Okay, okay, moving on. You're okay um, with cursive. Yes, I'm okay with cursive. I'm okay with no cursive. That's my stance on cursive. Um, thank you. Yes, thank you. Okay. But yes, yeah, so all these important skills, right? Um, and so Naomi, our student. Um, Can you say her name? Yeah, I don't know. We won't drop last names. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So our student, our student, I apologize. Um, she... Um, now has a full resume. She's had opportunities to do some public speaking, which was something um, that she was working on. Um, she has a base of people who know her now and who she can say, oh, I was in that job program that teaches me about, you know, uh, like my my resume and how to work in the workplace and appropriateness in the workplace. And it teaches me all these things from, you know, a standpoint of today. And even with COVID, we threw in some stuff with mm -hmm. like how to react to, like when you walk into an interview, do you shake a hand? Do you fist bump? Do you just ask awkwardly if it's okay if you shake their hand? And yeah, we're like, <laughs> I think okay. I think we should start bowing like in Asian, yeah. Asian cultures, yeah. just bow. They said about that. You're yeah. probably cross-contaminating a lot less germs that way. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, so even all these little things, now she has the space of people who know her and we can say, and she's looking for a position for the summer and we can say, oh, you know, well, you know so-and-so and you're connected with this person and they've already, some of them have already done a mock interview with her. And so they know that she wants mm -hmm. to grow and wants to continue learning. And really when you're finding a job, somebody knowing that you want to grow and learn can sometimes make that for you regardless yeah. of your experience, regardless of whether or not you have the right amount of um, years under your belt working at a place to be working at a new place. Oh yeah. It can make all the difference. And I mean, what's super nice about Goshen and like other smaller towns, like if you stay within the downtown area and you say, oh, I did a mock interview with this one person, the other person at another small business is gonna be like, oh, I know them. If they trust you, I would trust you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. that's one thing I think that was awesome with what you did with Jobs for Life is that you bought in people within the community to actually get a talk with them yeah and that was in large part due to Lindsay Neiman who were at the post they they uh yeah have a lot of really great connections oh yeah they know everyone <laughs> they know everybody um it's kind of like we always joke that Drew's mom knows everybody because she worked at a church in the youth ministry so she knows everybody in Indiana oh, yeah. basically you know she'll stop in public and see so that's Lindsay Neiman it's but here it's so yeah. great every time we go out to eat with her someone comes up <laughs> we're like who is that and she's like oh so-and-so I had their kid back in second grade like 10 years ago and you're like wow this is very deep but I mean I don't um, know if you guys were here this night but I think I told you about it one of our teens just assumed this lady that came up to the door was friends with Lindsay who's our boss so he let a random stranger in and yeah. she just walked in and we're like we have no idea who you are <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, but yeah they know yeah. literally everyone you know everybody yeah so that was really nice and then Oh, sorry. The most important part of it is that it was, or at least in my view, you know, the most important part is it's also pairing that practical knowledge, right, of what yeah. to do in the workplace with um, what's your purpose in life mm -hmm. and kind of going through like God intended for you to use the skills and gifts that you're given and everybody's given different ones to do awesome stuff and to yeah. enjoy your career. And he wants you to be building 
on this world and and kind of you know in the in the beginning he says work the ground you know like get get your feet out there um get moving and and do stuff build um and a lot of people take that stuff in genesis very literally but and i'm thinking a metaphorical metaphorical sense for the sake of a job class it really does mean like go out and and do something that you have a, a feeling of purposeness purposefulness in yeah so we do things like career assessments which mm-hmm. were really cool and really cool to take as an adult after you've already decided on your career you know decided in air quotes because I feel like even now our generation changes careers so many times and it's just kind of normal and people don't really frown upon it anymore because Mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, you're going to discover all of these things that you can do and you're going to want to move careers and you're going to want to do different things. And And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely okay. But it gives them a a taste of that. So when we were interviewing for this class, for instance, um, there was a young lady um, who had said, we would kind of asked her about her interests, right? And I think Lindsay had this conversation and told it to me. So I'm selling it second, second hand. But essentially it came down to um, this young lady didn't know that um, if she wanted to work for like the justice system that she could be a judge. She wow. took a career assessment and that came up as one of her like options of, oh, hey, you might be good at this being a judge. And she was like, I didn't even know that that was a possibility for me. And we were like, oh my goodness, your possibilities are endless. You know, we're sitting yeah. there like, you're just in high school. Your whole life is beginning. Um, you have all of these options, but that's just kind of when you're in this mindset or even coming from a hard place in life, you don't quite realize all of the options that are laid out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important for us to note that. And that class really provided some of that. And gave so, yeah. How could, um, so like, I know we have a jobs for life class here in Springfield, but how can people either one, like start one up at a nonprofit that they work at or find like a chapter near them? Yeah, so if you Google Jobs for Life or Powered for Life, I would recommend Googling Jobs for Life. Powered for Life is a little more obsolete. There are fewer versions of Powered for Life, I think, stationed places. Okay. Uh, Jobs for Life, you should be able to find one anywhere. And the adult version, which I got to train in, is also highly, highly similar to the student version. And for good reason, because I think if Mm -hmm. you don't ever learn some of the stuff in there, you're not going to figure it out in adulthood. Um, even just trying to get license plates is hard. So I can imagine that, yeah, it would be <laughs> as an adult who went to college, it's hard for me to remember what to do to get a license plate. So, you know, there are a lot of well, things that are just to be fair, you need say, 10 anyway. documents. And... Yeah. but <laughs> Anyways, jobsforlife.org. And most of the time, a local church takes on a sort of like a chapter of jobs Mm -hmm. for life so they um, we just started up another one at our salvation army for adults and so that's happening um, and that's going to be a whole big thing we're hoping a lot of people come Um, so adult version will be running too and they're hoping to even plant more versions of not versions more classes classes of jobs for life around Mm -hmm. so um basically you can google you can contact your church and say hey this would be a really good um, resource. Um, you can ask Dylan and he can send you my email and I can send you the links to everything if you would like. Um, yeah. <laughs> incoming. Let me get every uh, 8,000 email requests for jobs. Oh, for- I wish I had 8,000 8, followers. <laughs> Maybe I can send you the- <laughs> I, don't put- I don't know if you can put in a little link on the podcast to like yes. jobs itself yeah I, I think i can i think i can that'd be great and maybe you can just click in the show notes click in the show yes. notes. <laughs> um type in http um well yeah so thanks for explaining that so my next question um sorry that you didn't get to really talk on that one drew um <laughs> 
this this next one you can um who so i know drew uh, for people out there drew did grow up in the church um jessa kind of in and out of the church right mm -hmm. kind of yeah so this is a very broad and loaded question who is the church you got two minutes <laughs> a timer yeah each Go, Drew. Go. i mean i think the church is just it's the body of believers i think i mean i feel like this is kind of basic like we think of the church as like a building a lot of times like it's a building we go to but it's it's really the community of believers it, it doesn't it's not like even our small group has people that go to different churches and stuff and like i have friends all over the world that maybe in different denominations or different things but we still like support each other love each other and like All have the same goal of like reaching out mm. other people and bringing them to christ i think the church is a is very broad it's the broad group of believers mm -hmm. i'd say i don't know really bad at remembering verses but where two or more are gathered in my name yeah. there i'll be also yeah there i will yeah. be also so yeah for i mean for us and i think covid really put this into perspective for a lot of people who mm. would consider themselves because i hate saying it's terrible that I hate saying this, but it, it does come so loaded that when you say you're a Christian, there are so many other things that pop into someone's head um, that they can place on you. And part of that's a culture of, of what's been created that mm -hmm. needs to be not taken down, but restructured. So when I say I'm a Christian, it's, it's with the caveat of, um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I expect anything of anybody else. Yeah. I think is a good way to put it. Um, so yeah. Um, COVID put it into perspective for us that the church is just wherever we are and wherever we're together worshiping the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because for a lot of people, if you think about people overseas, even who, where it's a restriction on them to be able to believe what they want to believe, and we are in a very blessed place in our country with that to be able to believe what we want to believe, and um, and we're growing in that still, even. Yeah. But there are countries where you just absolutely cannot, um, mm -hmm. where if they find evidence of you, um, believing in something that they don't stand for it, I mean you could be executed and that's yeah. I've had friends who've yeah. gone overseas on missions and had to keep their faith a secret and and minister to people and help mm -hmm. people who did want to believe in these things and um, I, I mean I think that's something that just people here in America take for granted like oh, yeah. I know like a lot of people in my life right now are just saying like oh we're losing religious um like all of our religious freedoms are being taken away. I'm like, no, there's a difference between religious freedom and religious power. We may be losing religious power. We don't have people that are all Christians in power anymore. But I would say like America as a whole has more religious freedom now than it ever has before. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, a Muslim doesn't have to be afraid of worship or a Buddhist doesn't have to be afraid of worship and neither does a Christian. Yeah, and that's how the world, yeah. I mean, that's how it should be. God gave us a free will and choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, his, he had hopes with that choice, right? Like, I mm -hmm. gave this free will, but the goal is that you choose me. But at the same time, it's, it's yeah, a world of, of free will is very important. Um, yeah. But, yeah, a lot of people take that for granted, especially when you go yeah. overseas. I know Drew coming back from Africa was even kind of maybe shocked at some of the things that we either oh, yeah. complain about or take for granted over here. Or I remember you telling me about going had... to, what was it, Wendy's? Or McDonald's when you came it was back. Dunkin' Donuts. Drew eats two things. Um, so that's hamburgers plain with just cheese, 
or like if you were to Dunkin Donuts, something true. with ham and cheese. And oh. it took him a really long time to order from this Dunkin Donuts after hold being up, back. I eat like four things. Because we have so many options and it was just crazy. Um, and if you've never traveled somewhere else or gone and lived out of your comfort zone, I really encourage you to do so if you yeah. have an opportunity because yeah, it will sure a lot and you'll grow a it, ton. It, uh, yeah, I went from when we'd got to eat in Kenya, it'd be which half my the menu the menu would be which half of the chicken do you want? And do you want <laughs> that? Like that was the menu at restaurants. And uh, there actually was a restaurant where you could order half a chicken. Yeah, the fact that there was and a they, restaurant. They gave you, and they crazy. literally gave you a leg, right. ribs, and a wing. And it was like, oh, you you meant like you that half, like straight down the middle. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, then I came back and I went to Dunkin' Donuts mm-hmm. and like they all have like, like I'm a, I'm a meat and cheese guy. Uh, Two things. Mid, pretty mid, Midwestern in that. And Dunkin' Donuts has like every option of meat and cheese ever for sandwiches. So I remember I let like three people cut in front of me in line while I was standing there trying to decide what I wanted. It was like my first week back. I was like, you can go ahead of me. I still don't know what I want. And people kept looking at me. <laughs> What's wrong with this dude? And it's like, I haven't, there's so many options, but. I think in a, in a like that that's a really funny example, but I think we do, especially the American church takes for granted like all that they have. Like if, mm. like even like one big thing is like monetarily, like we yeah. like, like to see what people in Kenya were willing to like give to each other. Like like it was crazy. We'd have people come around and be like, Hey, I need to get this uh this tool for work so I can do this job um but I can't afford it I'm, I'm asking for donations to help me afford it and I I'd seen like their the guy's donation list and everyone I knew gave them money like everyone mm-hmm. like and no one had a lot of money there but everyone that was at the church and that was friends everyone gave them a little bit and mm-hmm. I, I as an American gave more than than what they were giving they were giving like five dollars that's, that's, that's but, worth more but that was yeah. the the cool thing was to see like okay it's it's a community like, it's a community yeah, that's so bad. helping someone to do their yeah. job and, and they're it, all yeah it was helping each other out right? and we aren't willing like americans have so much money and it's so easy to do that but we aren't like willing to do that in the same mm-hmm. way like these are people who like well, they're all some different of them backgrounds, right? Yeah, different you, belief systems. Well, no, they weren't different, different belief systems. I thought you had people in the same in some towns that were in some towns, but this was more of the people that were doing this were Christians that were going to other Christians. Oh, okay. Because um, of that wow. community, but these are people that like one dude like I've been to most of their their living places. A lot of them literally don't have roofs; they sleep oh. like on the ground. And they are able to give money to each other. It's like, why aren't we willing to help each other out? Yeah. Um, would you say that the American church is under attack? In what in what regard? Like politically under attack or um every regard possible. Cause I mean I hear it so often that like we say oh, the church is so under attack, like, pretty soon we're, not, we're no longer going to be able to meet in person. We're yeah. no longer, because, like, because of the COVID restrictions, because we couldn't meet in person. And yeah. people are like, that's not fair. We have religious freedoms. Oh, yeah. like, are we getting our freedoms taken away or are we just, you know, trying to be safe? <laughs> right. Yeah, I 
feel like that's a struggle with COVID to try and find that line. I, I mean, I think that, yes, less people want to be involved in the church. And I don't think that that's completely without cause. Like there have been things that have been done and things that mm. have been said and precedents that have been set that make certain things not okay. And I know our church in particular, I can speak to our church, we think was, and we looked for churches for a long time, was very solid, um, was very um, open and willing to talk about life. I mean, their motto is come as you are, just don't stay that way. You know, they want you to work through whatever you have to work through and they want to be beside you for it. And I mean, we're in a great group of people then from our church who we can do life beside. Um, And I've always felt that way coming from a not, um, not really a, church household where we didn't go every Sunday you know we didn't it was a something that was set up by grandma and that was kind of grown by me for my own personal faith in college when I could understand everything a little bit better um yeah I think there have been things that have been set up and and I've seen the effects of some of those things in friends and family um precedents that were set for people who for instance maybe had a baby too young and they Mm -hmm. were scorned by the church and that's just to me, I would never look at somebody and go, you know, oh, you're a terrible person. Why would you do that? In my mind, I'm like, oh, how can I help you? Like, how yes. can I guide you in this? Um, and in this moment of, of where you're probably afraid of everything, um, where you're probably feeling really down, but the church had kind of set it up where that was big no-no, you know? And so mm-hmm. our instinct then, because we, I feel like a lot of times because you don't know, um, you know, you don't, you're not willing to ask questions or to, to dig deeper is to just say, or you're, you're not willing to lend somebody a couple of dollars to get their tool for work is mm-hmm. to just say, oh, well, you should have done that better or done this different or yeah. you know, to shove things down their throat that they don't want to hear instead of just being with a person, which yeah. is, I mean, kind of, if you look at the gospel, Jesus did that. He went and mm-hmm. he was with people. Um, he was a king, but he was a poor, um, dirty king. <laughs> he rode into town on donkeys and he sat in fields and in sand and in dirt and he was with people. I think, I think you hit on a really good point there. Like people say that they feel like the church is under attack. And I, I think it's from different, like some people say culturally, politically, mm-hmm. but people that aren't in the church feel like they're being attacked by the church. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so good. People on both sides mm-hmm. that feel attacked, right. which is like, I feel like we don't take ourselves out of our own perspective enough to see that, yeah. to see that. Okay they're on this side, we're on this side. And because we feel like there has to be sides, mm-hmm. we, we feel like we have to, like, yeah, there's attacks going back, back and forth. Sides. And mm-hmm. in actuality, like, if you just sit down and talk to a person, usually you find out you have more in common than you think. Just maybe yeah. the, where you start from might be a little bit different. So how would you, like, how would you, so like, kind of, this is going to be a two-sided question. Like, should the, what's the church's role in social justice and should we be kind of leading the way of reconciliation um on both not just like racial but like every aspect of that i mean that's a loaded question obviously i mean there are people who are going to have personal convictions about things and whether or not we all agree is something um whether or not we can all be peaceable is something um, to be reckoned with but our church put it in a really good i love the way that they put this perspective this year was you know the bible says weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn mm. and I think that's super important and I think that 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 makes all that difference right even if you talk about professional social work which is supposed to be sans religion right For professional social work you're supposed to be the person that goes in and has you know no opinions 
um, and you're willing to, yes, advise. So going into that field, even talking with professors and stuff when I was studying um, in school, they said there's not enough people and there are not enough workmen to go out and actually meet one-on-one -on -one with these families and these children. They have too many caseloads. They have mm -hmm. um, not enough people working beside them to, you know, bolster their work and to make sure that everything is going smoothly. And there's not mm -hmm. enough people doing one-on-one -on -one talking with one another. Mm -hmm. And I think I've said that about a lot of things this year is if you would sat down and talk to somebody before you posted something on Facebook, what would that look like? How would that look different? If you stopped that Karen, and I say that with air quotes, because I don't want to offend anybody who's been called a Karen. <laughs> if you stop and talk to her and say, how are you doing today? Like, are you okay? Like, because there is something going on in their life. Hmm. Nobody that I know, and, and this is hard to say because I know I have a very minimal experience. I've lived a lot of places and nobody that I know that has ever lashed out has had no reason for it yeah i mean i i think of like even times at the post where i've had teens i mean threatened to kill me or threatened to hurt me but i know like yeah i start to be strict and I have to lay down boundaries and rules but i do also take into consideration these teens are not coming from a good living environment and the only thing they know is lash out and protect yourself at all costs um yeah. so how would you should the church be leading the role should we be taking charge I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, that's like what we're like. That's our what's supposed to be our main purpose is mm. to um, love others. As love yourself. others, yeah. Love the the poor, the um, orphans. Love the um, I can't. There's Widowed. A, the widows, orphans. Yeah. Like our our yeah. main purpose of the church is to is to support and love those who are don't have yeah. all the I can't think I, I'm like doing really bad with no right I get now, what you're but. struggling with because it gets complicated too because right the church is not we are not perfect by any no. means no not close sorry. sorry church we are not perfect not perfect any Christian <laughs> to be perfect is after we finished recording I realized that our conversation went on for an hour and a half so I decided to make this into a two-parter so it will be splitting part one this week and part two next week. So come back next week to hear how the rest of this conversation ends.